0: The man, the myth, the legend, Peter Boss is my guest today on the show. Stay tuned to hear all about what Peter's been up to for the last couple months since leaving the Pro-Life Guys podcast. Hi, folks, my name is Cam. I'm the host of the Pro-Life Guys podcast, a show dedicated to equipping you with the tools that you need to have compelling and compassionate conversations about abortion so you can change minds, save lives and transform culture. And for any longtime listeners, the name Peter Boss is probably super, super familiar to you. Peter Boss was the host of the show for the first 99 regular episodes and a ton of Humans of the Pro-Life Movement episodes. He was the anchor for all of our news episodes, which we call The Pulse. Um, Peter Boss was an absolute legend and... Um, an excellent friend of mine and and for the last couple of months i've been trying to fill his um metaphorically gigantic shoes um hosting this show and talking to guests and prepping documents and all that kind of stuff um and i am so thrilled to have peter back on the show today peter boss how you doing bud good and filling those shoes Cam, is something that you've done
1: really really well although i do have one bone to pick with you i was listening to an episode just the other day and um So here I thought I'm, you know, somewhat of a decent sports fan. I like to compare myself to the likes of Jonathan Van Maren, who I worked with in the past and (laughs) I worked with him. So that's who you compare yourself to. And you're like, wow, I know everything about sports compared to this guy. Um, And then I turn on an episode where you're having a conversation with Scott Hayward and you inform Scott that I am not a sports fan whatsoever. I don't know what a basketball team is or who the Celtics might be or any of that. Um, and so uh, I was just waiting for this opportunity to come on and perhaps set the record straight that the Celtics are a basketball team. The Raptors won in 2019 and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't even know what the record is. I don't follow them that closely. But uh, anyway, Cam, good
0: to see you, man. Good to see you, too. As soon as I said that on the episode, I was I was just hoping and praying that you were going to listen to the episode and we were going to be able to do this because, like I said, it's all about standards, right? Uh, talking to Jonathan Van Maren or, or countless other of our episodes that um, are, are completely ignorant of most sporting things, totally fair, um, I'm coming from the opposite angle, right? Like, I I am way too much of a sports fan, and so when I'm I'm out playing baseball or soccer or whatever, and I'm talking about, like, who's the closer for the 1994 Blue Jays and, and who won the gold glove in 1986. after throwing six complete games. I like that's my level of sports fan. Unfortunately, I, I know far too much about sports. And so it's all about standards. You are um, a champ when it comes to to knowledge stuff. And at the end of this, we're going to talk a little bit about the pro-life fantasy hockey league that you and I are both in, but that's probably not the meat and potatoes of what people want to hear about what the heck you've been up to for the last couple months here, because as much as you and I have been in conversation for the, the few months leading up towards your transition, Um, away from the Pro-Life Guys podcast. And I've been very, very fortunate to stay in the loop and get some updates from you and and your beautiful family. Um, A lot of our listeners are a little bit in the dark as to what you've been up to for the last couple months. So bring us up to speed. What what have you been up to?
1: Yeah, man. So my wife and I moved down to the States. She's American. um, So it was a relatively easy transition. Um, And we are working with a ministry um, focused on underprivileged boys. And so these are boys who have had to leave their parents' homes the or a guardian, uncle, grandma, whoever, for various reasons, sometimes it's behavior reasons, sometimes it's things that happen at school, sometimes it's because of the situation that the parent or guardian finds themselves in. They're not in a situation where they're going to juvie. They're not in a situation where they're part of the Department of Social Service heading uh, in and out of the foster care system. But there is a, a gap that is filled by this ministry. And so my wife and I um, were given not given, but we were housed. Um, so the house I'm in now is, is from the ministry and we were given five teenage boys. So we have five boys between the ages of 15 and 17 living with us. And essentially our role is to parent them. And so, um, how hard is it to parent teenage boys? You might ask (laughs) very, very simple. (laughs) Uh, that's not true. Um, it, it's been a challenge. Um, there's been a lot of things we've had to learn along the ways. Some of these boys have had childhood trauma and um, child other childhood issues that they've had to deal with um, and are dealing with, whether they know it or not. Um, and so our goal is to work with them through those things, help them to develop good habits, good routines, um, have good behavior, not only at home, but also at school. Um, one of our boys has a job in the, the town we're in, so having good behavior and good work, work ethic as well. And because we have high school boys, because these boys will be graduating soon, we want to prepare them for college, we want to prepare them for having uh, a relationship with uh, a spouse, we want to prepare them for getting a job, um, and, and all of that and um, yeah, just uh, getting them ready for those things. How to handle money. Uh, I know mm. some of our boys have massive struggles with uh, knowing how to handle money. They get a little bit. It goes to Twitch. It goes to a new uh, Nintendo game or whatever the sort of gaming system is out there that people play these days. I'm not a gamer. I'm no <laughs> probably not any. Nintendo. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> these guys these guys teach me all these, you, mm. you know, the the lingo and the games and everything. Um, or, you know, God forbid, it goes to OnlyFans. And so we, we try to... Um, yeah, develop good habits and, and sort of
0: uh, help these boys function. I, I got about a million follow-up questions because I, I think this is so cool. And and pro-lifers out there, ye who are listening to the audience, and if we got any abortion advocates and you want to pull the card of pro-lifers don't care about kids after they're born, case in point, Peter and his fabulous family looking after um, these kids who really need um, some some Christian role models in their life to to help them. Um, I got to ask so so these um, students coming through, are they is it like a one year kind of term? Is it as long as they want to be there? Is it as long as their their families want them to be there? How do you know how long you're going to have to kind of parent and, and work with some of these students? For the most part, it's up to the families. Um,
1: yeah. Although the goal is, maybe not the goal, but what the ideal situation is is um, having the boys stay here until they graduate. So yeah. some boys are here for a year, and their their parent or their aunt takes them out. Some um, there's one that just graduated who is here for 13 years. Um, so it varies. Um, but the reason they come here is the reason they should stay here. Generally, yeah. the reason you know the reason they come here is the reason they shouldn't go back into the situation that they came from. Um, yeah. The boys didn't always like that. They had a lot more freedoms back, you know, with their uncle. They got into a lot more trouble. Their grades were all Fs, um, and they had terrible habits and and bad behavior, and were, were respected by no one. But they had a lot more freedoms in what they were allowed mm. to do. Here, they don't. Um, so one of the ways we structure our home is that the the better behavior you have, and the more you help out around the house, the more privileges you receive. So if you choose to um, if you choose to argue every decision that's made, if you choose to you know get upset about rules that there are if you choose to create chaos in the house with the other boys or whoever it might be, then, um, then you're just going to have less privileges. But if you don't um, there are so many things you can do. We have, we have two boys that are sort of, you know, really, really good. And they have so many freedoms that they're allowed to do. And so um, we just want to teach them that, I mean, this happens in real life as well. You're a jerk at your job. And guess what? You get fired or you get, you know, deemed, demoted (laughs) um or the boss just ignores you and you do you push a broom for the rest of your life you're a jerk in your relationship and that's going to go sour really really quickly and um i'm not a proponent of divorce but uh, unfortunately it does happen way way more often than it should and you're probably going to get divorced um you know there could be situations where you know you sort of lose control of of yourself and you end up facing prison time or or you know um uh, you know, time in a courtroom. So we want to prepare these boys um, for that. And so the better you are in the house, the better you are at school, the more privileges you get. And then I know the you mentioned the pro, pro abortion advocates, the one thing they don't like is that we're a Christian family. So we go to church, um, which it happens to be a very good thing. So if you're a pro abortion advocate, do ask us about the importance of worship. <laughs> um, we take the boys to youth group, um, we do family devotions. Um, there are things you're not allowed to say, like taking the Lord's name in vain and blaspheming and and other things like that. So we are a Christian home and, um, we do try to teach these boys, um, you know, what it means to be a Christian and and try to work through some of the things that they're going through. Some of them are mad at God. Some of them, um, have trouble, uh, asking for forgiveness, understanding forgiveness, because, uh, the, you know, that means they'd have to forgive the person in their life who've done these awful things for the, you know, the decade before they came to the came to the ministry. And so trying to work with these boys and walk through life with them from a Christian perspective.
0: Gotcha. That's so cool. And, and so necessary. I mean, it, anybody who's tuning in who has done outreach at a high school um, can can, I'm sure, instantly recognize the value of this because so many of the folks we talk to at high school have this broken track record of family brokenness, of social brokenness, at times even church brokenness, and and how that baggage is just anchoring them down from thriving. And it's so cool that you guys are in a position that you can provide a different paradigm to these students. I mean, there's so many students I talk to, even at the university level, even downtown, I talk to people older than I am, and and I'm pretty old, um, who, <laughs> I joke about that, sorry, um, who who will like, they've never had somebody who legitimately cared about them. And that sounds so weird to Christian years, like, how did your parents not love you? Or like, how did you get here without people caring about you? I'm sure people must have cared about you. But the reality is that a lot of people go through life with, A very limited number if not a complete absence of genuine love not even to mention um and and obviously as christians we recognize genuine love to be christian love but even like a a genuine looking out for the best for the other person kind of take even if that isn't specifically through the lens of the christian doctrine but rather just like i i am trying to help you with this because this is legitimately going to help you the best in the long run that kind of thing that's so cool um The only other question I want to ask before I dive into some of the cultural stuff, moving down to the States. Um, So I'm just so curious. You've got a young family. I've got a young family. You've never parented teenagers before you strike me. um, And, and I hope that this is a compliment. You strike me as a cool dad. You strike me as a dad that like shows up to pick the kid up after school. And like, you've got cool music playing and you've got like sunglasses and a ball cap. And like, you are the cool dad, But so often that like cool dad vibe or cool mom vibe or whatever is equated to like just letting the kids run amok and do whatever they want and just like feeding ego, feeding whatever it is that they're doing. And so how do you balance your coolness with being an an appropriate like father figure in that like you you may not obviously don't have the age gap between them and yourself that you will have when your young kids are teenagers, you're going to have that. That, that salt and pepper vibe that, that is going to maybe lend a little bit more authority and whatnot. How do you balance that? You're, you're closer in age, but you're still acting as a Christian father of a Christian home. How, how does that kind of manifest? I know that's a weird question, but hopefully that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, I understand what you mean when you say I'm a cool dad and it's, it's sort of a blessing and a curse. I don't have music playing when I come to the school, partly because i um, some of these boys, they like to drown out their emotions with music and noise. And so my thing is we're going to have a, a conversation uh, that happens to be somewhat intellectual, if that's possible, or we're going to have silence, but we're not going to like drown out the day. Um, anyway, so, but it has a, it's a blessing and a curse because I do relate to these boys pretty well. They, you know, the ones that are into sports, I'm into sports. I'm trying to teach some of these boys chess. Um, one of the boys, he just uh, rebuilt a pit bike and I'm like all into that. I, I know nothing about rebuilding pit bikes, but I think it's cool. Um, and I have energy I'm 29 years old. I'm not 45. Um, I hope I have this much energy when I'm 45, but I imagine, um, just. For the record,
0: for the record, Peter's not throwing shade at me. I'm not 45 either folks. (laughs) I am 33 for the record. Anyhow, you're not throwing shade at me, but, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, so there's a lot of things that really work, uh, to my advantage, but some of those things, like, um, one of the things that a mentor told me when I got here is try not to be their friend first, that's gonna come, but be their authority figure and their parent figure first. And so that, that's been a challenge because we have three, like a three-year-old and a one-year-old and uh, my wife's expecting uh, our third child, which we're really excited for. Um, and so the, we parent them um, in a particular way uh, you get timeouts, you get, uh, you know, my bike just, my, my oldest son just lost his bike privileges for a day because he, he likes to take off on his bike. Um, Some of those same things don't work for 15 year olds. Now, some of the same things do. Uh, I had one boy who was particularly childish and my consequence idea was putting him in the corner. That's very, very demeaning. But I told him if you're going to act like a child, you're going to get treated like one. And so um, I wish I could remember exactly what your original question was, but
0: uh, sorry, go ahead. You're, you're a cool dad who is cool in all the right ways. It's it's not just cool in the, I'm going to give you 20 bucks after school, go, go have fun with yourself kind of thing, but rather I gonna be the cool dad that actually cares about you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that reminds me there, there was one boy who, uh, he, he was not very good with his money. So I, I actually took all his money. Um, I took his, his card and, um, and we emptied his bank account because he had a habit of doing that himself. And then I gave it so he's got an account in the ministry. Mm. Um, so all his money, every Friday, every other Friday after he gets his paycheck, we go to the bank, um, we take it out, we bring it up to the office, and they keep hold of it. So um, I'm not that cool <laughs> when it comes to that. <laughs> I'd hate to be 17 and having all my money taken away. Uh, <laughs> but but in that, I'm trying to teach. Like man, listen, man. Like you're a year from going to college. You have a car yeah. that you want to buy. You have insurance. Um, you have to pay for gas. Plus that card needs uh, a few repairs. Um, you have all these things that you want to do and you're spending this money on very frivolous things. And so, um, another boy came and the first thing I did was take his, take his card away as well. I don't know who you are. Um, we're going to get to know each other really well. Um, but until we do your money's mine and and I have to approve every single purchase. So, and that's with everything I need to see every receipt. And for the most part, purchases only happen unless I say so. So that I'm not very cool in that way. Um, (laughs) And then same thing with the privileges. So so one of our boys, he's the captain of the robotics team at, at the local high school. Um, another boy wants to um, do something else at the school. The, the one boy's allowed because his behavior is really good. The other one's not allowed. So I'm not that cool. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I tr- but I do like I do try to balance the coolness with like being involved in their lives, getting in you know active in the things that they're active in. But then also realizing that some of the behaviors that they are doing are not actually going to be conducive to their life. And so those are things that I want to have them change. I can't change their heart. Uh, You know, it's the Holy spirit uh, in them and and God uses me and it's them growing up and maturing and come to a realization that um, life doesn't revolve around them, which is something that I think all of us struggle with uh, in various ways at various points in our lives, but trying to get them to understand that before they leave a situation where they have, parental figures people who are going to look over their shoulder discipline them for getting zeros in their paper even though they can hand it in late and still get the same mark and um and give them consequences for being tardy at school so um trying to give them these life lessons um is that cool i don't know i think you're old enough to think that's cool i think uh any of our listeners above the age of 28 might think that's really cool but if you're a teenager listening that's not so cool but uh the point is to, to help them
0: thrive in life when they don't have someone breathing over their, their shoulder. Totally. And, and I mean, that, that, makes a ton of sense. And, and especially the communication factor as well, right? You, you alluded to the fact that you don't have like music pumping all the time and, and you're not just filling all of the empty space with empty emptiness, kind of like empty lyrics and empty this and empty that kind of thing, but, but filling it with conversation or, or time for reflection, that kind of stuff of like having that conversation. So they understand why there are consequences to particular actions and and how those consequences connect to those particular actions and it's not just like okay so you were you were late to school therefore um, we're, we're heading out to the whipping post or something like that like no it's not it's not arbitrary like um thrashings of people for for um things but but connecting that that consequence to the action so that, that makes a ton of sense i'm so cool um and and so that that you and your wife are able to offer that kind of mentorship and support I, I guess yeah and on the communication thing um sometimes there are
1: things that that happened that we didn't anticipate but a lot of the you know things that we can anticipate we've written down for them we posted it on the wall and said if yeah. you do this this is the consequence and so yeah. a lot of times we're like okay what did you do okay walk upstairs look at the paper then go do that thing and if you didn't do it properly we're going to start over so yeah um yeah communication is is huge um and uh so yeah that's that's like love a it. summary of what we're
0: doing here love it that is so cool and, and i want to shift gears a little bit into the culture of south carolina you guys made the move from like i don't know if it's even fair to call where you guys were at the greater toronto area because i feel like you were probably a little bit outside of that realm um but going from canada to south carolina i'm sure there's been some pretty significant cultural differences i often Talk to folks. Uh, so, for for new listeners, or even for those that have been tuning in for a while, so CCBR, the parent organization of the Pro Life Guys podcast, generally, and and we're excited to host it again this year, runs a one week or two week kind of pro life mission trip in Florida during February, where we take a bunch of pro life activists from Canada down there during reading break, talk to students um, on American campuses, and and have a ton of conversations, witness a bunch of people change their mind on abortion, that kind of thing, and a lot of people ask me, like, what are the biggest differences between doing activism in the States and doing activism in Canada? And for the longest time, and I, I hope and pray that the, the case still stands, that I describe it this way, that in Canada, if you ask 10 people, hey, dude, how's it going? You're going to get like, maybe a very, very, very minute, weird look of like, do I know this guy? But then they're going to be like, oh, no, life is good, man. How, how are you? Do I know you? Like, Let's let's chatter a little bit in the Tim Hortons lineup or whatever, while we're waiting for our coffees. Whereas if you ask 10 people in Canada about abortion, about politics, about religion, they are either going to call the cops or they're going to run as far away from you as humanly possible. And it's kind of the, the inverse in Florida that I've experienced that you ask 10 people in Florida in many of the other states that I've been to, like, hey, how's it going? Do I know you? It like a very cold response but if you ask them about abortion politics religion whatever they've got an answer much more readily prepared they're much more likely to engage in a substantial conversation rather than um a a more flighty surface level unfortunately i'm sure that's changing in some capacity but I'm, i'm wondering Peter, what, what has it been like kind of culture wise, Get into South Carolina, whether it's with the boys that you're working with, whether it's with just the folks that you see in the grocery store and and in town, the stuff that you see printed in newspapers and that kind of thing. What is culture like compared to where you were growing up and where you were coming from in kind of that Southwest Ontario kind of um, scene? Yeah, um,
1: one note before that. You're from Alberta, so maybe talking in the Tim Hortons lineup is something you do. But I know in Toronto, uh, if you talk <laughs> to someone, if you talk to someone on the subway or in line, you're breaking one of the biggest unwritten mm. rules that exists. Um, but I, I think your assessment is fairly accurate. Um, you know, you you don't. I, I hardly ever saw, if ever, uh, street preachers um, mm. down in the south. It's totally normal. Um, I got together with, uh, uh, so we joined a local church. And one of the first weeks we were here, I spent uh, an evening hanging out with a whole bunch of guys from that church. And the conversation was college football, which, man, a oh, man, everyone cares about. Like, like, you go to the nursery and you hear little kids talking about what team won college <laughs> football. I'm like, okay, there's a little bit too much uh, obsessiveness here. <laughs> um, but uh, the conversations that we had were were about politics, um, the differences between Canadian and American politics and what's happening in the States i think it's true my conversations people are far more willing to have conversations about politics um about religion about things like abortion one of the things and obviously i haven't been here before uh the whole covid crap happened Mm -hmm. and the restrictions and everyone's response to it um but one of the things i wish i knew or i wish i had experienced like for 10 years before that happened to see (laughs) what things Mm -hmm. are like now because it does seem like there is some animosity um with people of different perspectives now it starts on the vaccine and then it sort of makes its way further but um there are a few people uh i mean th- there are people who are willing to debate the vaccine far more than in canada far more than okay. i mean we lived in brantford and um yeah anyway <laughs> um it was just you know I- You have your like one fringe group on the side with their funny signs that um, have vulgarities and such and then you have the massive group on the other side and no one else dares raise their voice um the three other people so here here you do a little bit more but i do wonder if the covid pandemic and the restrictions Mm -hmm. and all those things changed it um But um, one of the things I do appreciate about the States is that you can have those conversations. So whether it's within the political realm, like just seeing politicians openly speak about the things they believe in, or whether it's just on the streets, in conversation, in the grocery line, whatever it might be, um, those open conversations are still far more prevalent than in Toronto, which,
0: I mean, they were were quite (laughs) non-existent in Toronto. Yeah. Gotcha. That, that makes a ton of sense, and and that is fertile ground. I, I'm sure that there are further complications with that. The two party system, the uh, what camps, and and kind of siloing and um, polarization, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm sure that there are definitely issues to having meaningful conversations about important stuff down there. Just as it will be everywhere, everywhere. It's not like, like it's just doormats um, waiting for you to, to preach the gospel and everyone is just snapping into and getting baptized left, right and center kind of thing, I'm sure. Uh, But it's cool that there's an openness to that, which is really, really sweet. And again, a lot of the reason why we take students down to Florida, um, I'll I'll drop a link in the show notes below about our application, which is now open for Florida abortion awareness project. Uh, We're doing one week down in Florida, Lord willing, coming up here in February. And so check out that. Um that's fair. That that is really interesting. That's kind of the, the vibe. And you are you're not in like a, a crazy metropolitan hub, right? Like you're pretty rural in, in South Carolina. Is that fair to say? I, I know very little about the geography of South Carolina. The only thing or one of the few things I know about the Carolinas, one is that Josh Brahm um Equal Rights Institute lives in South Carolina, and two, that both Duke and North Carolina Tar Heels are. In North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know anything, very little about it. Um, the Gamecocks are, are a thing. I know. Um, you you is it fair to say you're you're fairly rural? Or are the kids coming from rural backgrounds as well? Or are they coming from pretty urban backgrounds or is it a bit of a mixed bag? Uh, yeah, I'm in a so
1: think about your most stereotypical hick town where everyone's got the very deep southern accent. Mm. Um, and there's sort of a, a mix of black folks and white folks and Mexicans, uh, um, that's, that's the town uh, that we're in. It, it's quite hick town. I love yeah. it. It's like, yep. this quiet, like it's busy and there's things happening and there's like enough to do. There's like an opera house and some cool things, but it's, it's, it's small enough and hick enough to like, be able to sit back and just chuckle at where you are and what you're experiencing. Um, that's cool that Josh Brahm is here. Um, yeah. I, I might have checked it out. I didn't know he was in South Carolina. Um, one of the interesting things you mentioned the Gamecocks. So I, Do I care about college football, Cam? I couldn't give a (laughs) rip about college football. But everyone else seems to. So if you say you're uh, an Alabama fan, I'm a Clemson fan. If you say you're a Georgia fan, I'm a Clemson fan. If you say you're a Clemson fan, like, let's go Georgia. We're the best team ever. We just just (laughs) won the series not too long ago. And so um, everyone gets mad at me for that. And I get into a whole bunch of fights. But, like, man, oh, man, these guys are obsessed over here.
0: Like, Like, As long as you know that the Trojans are not in South Carolina, they're in South California. Um, I I think that's going to go a long way. I'm pretty sure sure USC is South California, not South Carolina. But apologies to anyone from South Carolina if I'm botching that up. Um, Anyhow, this is cool. This is cool. Um, Are we going to see you back in Canada anytime soon? Are you guys dug in there and bunkered in and and I'm never going to see you again? Are you guys going to be back up in this side of the pond at any point? Or what does the next little while look like for you guys? Um, so we visited not too long ago. We hope to visit again. Um,
1: Christmas, New Year's, that sort of time. Cam, I would love to come to Alberta, man. Um, I do have flights still. Uh, I do have flight money still on WestJet Mm. because I canceled a flight at one point. So maybe, maybe (laughs) that'll be used for good use going to Calgary, Alberta. Um, uh, in terms of, in terms of moving back, um, I mean, God only knows, um, (laughs) but visiting back. Uh, if you, if you make a trip over to Ontario at the same
0: time we do, that'd be fantastic. I, I will see if I can parlay that. I'll have to talk to Nick Rosen. i see what we got in the, in the budgets for, for whether I can do a training trip out there or some um, in-person podcasting, whatever. Cool. Peter, we're, we're up against it. I'm going to ask you one last question that I'm sure that we could talk for 45 minutes about, um, but you only got two minutes to, to give me your take Magnus Carlsen versus Hans Niemann. Um, For anyone who's new to the show, Peter and I have talked a bit of chess on and off. Peter is a chess aficionado. I am learning more and more about chess, um, partly because of Peter's inspiration. Anyone who's not familiar with the um, controversy in chess right now, you can check it out. I would recommend Gotham Chess. Um, He does an excellent job. Peter, I know that you're more of a a Nakamura kind of guy. Um, What's your take? Hans Niemann? Is he going to win this $400 million lawsuit against Magnus Carlsen because Magnus Carlsen told him that he was cheating at, at a big chess event or, or what's your take? What's my take, man. So it's ridiculous. $400 million lawsuit. I
1: don't think any chess player is worth $400 million. So I don't know where this young uh, 19 year old upstart got this number from, but it seems fantastic. I think it's going to be thrown out. Although uh, I'm not really sure. Um, Did he cheat? That's up in the air. Some people say he did. Some people say he didn't. Some people look at the way that he's progressed in terms of his ratings and say that that progression is unnatural. Some people say that, you know, if they look at the individual moves that he makes, those are just natural moves that a human would make. And he's not following the computer lines every single time. Um, Ah man, $400 million is absolutely ridiculous, I think. Um, And he didn't just go after uh, uh, Magnus who um, resigned a game and then made all these comments about, uh, he didn't say right off the top that he was cheating, but he certainly did imply it in every action that he took. But he also went against Akaro Nakamura, who has a streaming. He's a big streamer um, who mentioned things about it. He went after uh, Danny Wrench, who is the uh, CEO of Chess.com. Um, ah, man, I wish I knew where it was going to go. I, I think I think is a stupid move to do um did it affect him he's still in every single tournament he's still winning games in tournaments um the whole chess world is not against him as he likes to believe so i think it was a stupid move i don't think it's good for chess if you if he cares about chess i don't think that's good for chess
0: gotcha um that that makes sense i'm sure we can go on and on about that it's a fascinating fascinating question and at the end of the day i think it might actually be good for chess because i wonder if this is going to get more eyeballs onto chess of, of like who watches chess let's get serious so like you and I do and like four other people um in Russia and like that's about it I um, don't no, there, there's a huge following but like I feel like through COVID a lot more people the Queen's Gambit out on Netflix that kind of thing like that's more right. people have gotten into chess and I feel like in some ways this is exactly what chess needed of uh, like in the same way and this gonna be another sports reference I promise it's my last um kind of like performance enhancing drugs in baseball was huge for baseball it got people sitting right. in baseball parks because people were popping off home runs like it was going on of style and yeah it was bad for the legacy of the game long run but like in the short term it got an awful lot more people in the stands which um baseball purists might not like chess purists might not like the idea of like the contriving schedules to try to get Magnus and, and Hans Niemann into every final against each other and just see if somebody re- resigns or see who wins, all that kind of stuff. Like, you know what, Ding Liren and the are going to be in the world championship. Nobody's going to tune into that. If Magnus and Niemann are playing on the same event. So um, <laughs> anyhow, we could go on and on. We're going to have to do this again, my friend, um, folks, Peter boss. Thanks a ton for coming on the show, but thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll do it again soon.